Hashtag Mr. Marbles lives. Yes. We're going to have so many hashtags. We're going to be famous at the end of this. Definitely. Hello. Welcome to Guides to the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And this week we are talking about scary, weird plot lines from Seinfeld, classic sitcom of the 90s. Classic I'm... sitcom of our hearts. Oh my God, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my favorite shows of all time. Oh yeah. If not, you know, in like the top three at least, I guess, probably. I, um, I would almost say that this has to be an unexpected place to look for scary stuff. Yeah, I think probably. And yet, Kristen, There's plenty. Man, we, we recently did an episode where you used unused research. Right. I think this is going to be a well we can go to for quite a while. Definitely. You made a mistake, Kristen. Do you know what it was? Telling you that you could dabble throughout the series? I think I have everything. <laughs> all right i'm not kidding i think i might have and it's debatable there are a lot of movie references in seinfeld once you get into thriller territory is that horror who knows <laughs> do you have channel i don't have channel no <laughs> um but i think that i've got every horror reference from my point of view mm -hmm. that exists in all nine seasons i mean that, honestly that's an amazing resource for us to have exactly yeah and here's the real game afoot for this episode yeah how am I going to throttle back? <laughs> I will, because I right. have to. Right. I'm just saying, I've got everything, if well, ever we need it for the next 20 years. That's the thing. Keep that in mind, that, yeah. you know, whatever you don't say today, we will get to eventually. So don't feel like mm. you are depriving yourself. Mm. Because they'll, oh, I already have things for an unused research episode since mm -hmm. the last one. Mm -hmm. So we'll do it again. Oh, we will. I th here's what I, I here's how I think we should start. Yes, I feel that I should start because I agree. mine is the one the story of Joe Davola, and yours I believe is a little bit more piecemeal. Yes. So there are more clear stopping points, time wise. You are one hundred percent correct. Okay. you are one hundred percent correct. Joe Davola, yeah, is the scary thing he's in Seinfeld. the big bad he's the big bad yeah yeah you're right he's the right. man in black mm -hmm. he is the master from buffy what yes. are other big bads i don't know he's bowser <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's definitely bowser yeah um will what is your history with joe davola boy i think i was genuinely kind of unsettled by this character yeah because we watched this as kids right yeah. seinfeld you know we're we're not um we're not, not new to the game. We're not new to the game. We've been watching this for a long time. Yep. But we're all, we were also young enough that like when the show came out in the 90s, we were quite young. Mm -hmm. And I think Joe Davola, I think I was sort of drawn to the mystique, the <laughs> yeah. mystery. But also, undeniably, there was a quality to the performance, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Where I was like, I don't really know why this is here. And it's a little, it's a little crazy for this <laughs> show. It's really far. Yeah, it's it's exact. I think you just said it. it's somewhat out of place. Yeah. Um, but it, I mean, it works. There's a, there's you know obviously Seinfeld is famous for having lots of um storylines that seem separate and they all kind of come together at the end. So right. I think that that is kind of a perfect environment to sneak in something like Joe Davola because there's already so much going on that it yeah. just becomes another plot line in eight million plot lines even when you look over one season. Yes, definitely. But, Certainly a standout. Yeah, I think I think I want to do one quick silly uh, thing, maybe from our perspective. But I know there are people out there who have never seen Seinfeld. Yeah. Because the other thing is, you know, when, as we were young when yes. this came out, this is an old show. Right. Right. Like this show ended twenty years ago. Yep. So um, Seinfeld is a show starring Jerry Seinfeld by Jerry Seinfeld and Larry David. Mm -hmm. Jerry in the show is also a comedian and uh, does stand up gigs but also has this madcap group of friends. They uh, go on very nitpicky, like breaking social norms type adventures. Right. It was, um, it was known as a show about nothing. Right. Yep. Um, they have a, a, a wild cast of like characters come in and out. Very famously, there was a character called the Soup Nazi, mm -hmm. named that because he's very fastidious about <laughs> how he expects people to order soup from him. Right. So it gets very mundane. Yeah. It's it's having fun with mundane little social things. Yeah. But it goes very gonzo by the end of the entire series. Yes. 
Um, and so uh, that is the sort of universe that we're we're pulling from. Mm-hmm. So it's a straight up comedy show. Even oh, the yeah. stuff that we're going to talk about is largely presented through like a comedic lens, but. It's weird. Yeah. So it, it is a it is a bizarre show. They had a rule. It was no hugging, no learning. There was yeah. a, also a, a take no um hostages quality to like they would make fun of literally everything. Yeah. Not everything is aged well. Definitely not. Um, but uh it, it the point was exclusively to be funny, mm-hmm. which is why I think the things that we have to talk about that are horror related or horror references or just horrific on their own. <laughs> right. Um sort of stand out. Yeah, because it'll be, you know, uh, concerns about a chicken restaurant having a light that's too bright shining into your apartment right. and then a stalker. Yes, exactly. It's Yeah, it's, it's all over the place, mm-hmm. all over the place. Each right. episode, every character has their own storyline. They usually end up kind of like coming together or impacting each other in some surprising way by the end. Yes, very famously, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia uh, was referred to as Seinfeld on crack because uh-huh. it was the same structure. Yeah. The, the, the core characters are all sort of bad people. They break rules yeah. and they, they, they're very selfish. Mm-hmm. They all have four different adventures and the four adventures converge. Right. Um, so It's Always Sunny is a great reference point if you've never seen Seinfeld. That's true. But I think we've set the table enough. Let's get into Joe Devola. It's absolutely true. I also saw a meme recently saying that Seinfeld was awesome because it was like four kind of antisocial people who don't really have an interest in like committed romantic relationships, kids, or jobs. Yeah. They just want to like exist and have fun with each other. They do not grow. No. Mm-mm. Deliberately. Which is surprising when they revisit the series on Curb Your Enthusiasm. They imply growth. Right. Specifically for Jerry and Elaine, Elaine one yeah. of the other main characters. Like they, an, a relationship or a family is implied for them in the mm-hmm. future. It's bizarrely warm. Yeah. For what this franchise does, which is right. usually very at arm's length, mm-hmm. no emotion. It's the best. It's, it's like, great. It's a cynical. It's like the funniest thing I've ever seen. It's very funny. I love it so incredibly much. There's an episode where Kramer gets mugged by the Van Buren boys. Yeah. So named because they love the eighth president, Martin Van Buren. And their right. gang, gang signal is to hold up eight fingers. <clears throat> Kramer accidentally does it because he's holding a salt shaker at a pizzeria. I think it's a little bit of a secret society tie-in. Yeah, you're right about that. Yeah, that's a good one. (laughs) I think we almost have an encyclopedic knowledge of Seinfeld. I have like an idea for a game show about Seinfeld. Um, I could, I could, I could go go on. We have to talk about Joe Davola. Okay, so speaking of things not aging well, the treatment of Joe Davola is not great. (laughs) Problematic. Yes, through the lens of today. There. So I'm, I'm just gonna talk about it at the top, and then we can just like, you know, I'll just say it for what it is as the plot goes on. But they talk about him being on medication as like a reason to be afraid of him. Right. Yeah. 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 Um. They, really, they call him Crazy Joe Davola most of the time, and he has unnamed psychological issues. We're not really sure, but they definitely don't treat them with sensitivity. Yeah, the point wasn't to say this is a real person. The point no, was no. to say this guy is dangerous. Yes. And so these other things around that are just meant to enhance the idea that this is a dangerous guy who might do anything at every any moment. Totally. And so those other things are like that he goes to a shrink and that he takes medication and stuff. Right. Um, but, you know. What In today's day and age, that's part of self-care. Yeah. But and by the way, Elaine... there's something different about Joe Davola that I don't think we no, need s- sympathy is. for Joe Davola or justice for Joe Davola. <laughs> no, no, no. going to no, be there's... trending any minute. No, but there are mentions of like, you know, he's on medication. <laughs> I you wonder know. who you were impersonating. <laughs> um, and by the way, they they don't they definitely don't like uh, demonize going to a psychiatrist. Elaine goes to the same shrink oh, okay. and actually dates him. Oh, there you go. All right, <laughs> and that's part of See? the plot. But I just wanted to mention because I think the medication thing comes up, and it's obviously it's notable. not cool. It's yeah. noteworthy. Um, okay, so. He is in four episodes of season four, the Crazy Joe Devola saga. That's and he's it. Play- yeah. Yep. Oh my god. And he's played by Peter Crombie, which is a good name. Um, <laughs> he first appears in episode three, which was a one hour special called The Pitch Slash The Ticket. 
Um, so, uh, what's his name? Jerry and George are at NBC because they are pitching a sitcom. They get meta, like Scream. Yeah, ex- yeah, very much so. Uh, they're pitching a sitcom because Jerry in this world is also a famous stand-up comedian. And they're sitting there and then Jerry notices this guy in the hallway. And he says, oh, he's this guy. He's a writer. He's a total nut. I think he goes to the same shrink as Elaine. And then Joe Davola comes in because he sees Jerry and George and they are all acquainted with each other. Um, menacing presence. Yeah, a very menacing presence. He's pretty much always dressed the same way. He wears a tucked in t-shirt uh, or a t-shirt tucked into pleated pants and a long trench coat like all the time. And uh, so he walks in the room and Jerry says, hey, how you doing or whatever and extends his hand. And then this is what happens. Joe says, Oh, you're under no obligation to shake my hand. <laughs> and J- Jerry says, oh, no, just a custom. This is my friend, George. You look good. Joe, why shouldn't I look good? <laughs> no, no reason. Uh, you're into karate, right? You want to hit me? <laughs> An uncomfortable person to be Incredibly around. uncomfortable. You're under no obligation to shake my hand. He's like smiling, just like looking his eyes when he says that. Just a custom. You're under no obligation to shake my hand. You're into karate, aren't you? Why do you want to hit me? It's yeah. like so standoffish and and simmering, <laughs> simmering. Very much there so. There is a wild tiger inside this man. And he's ostensibly being nice and polite-ish, but he just, he doesn't seem right. He's... In this moment, Jerry's done nothing wrong. No. Uh, then Jerry tries to fill an uncomfortable silence by saying he guesses he'll see Joe at Kramer's p- uh, party, oh. which Joe apparently wasn't invited to, and he is upset by this. He says that he thought that he and Kramer were close, and he walks away kind of in an angry daze. Jerry says, give my best to Hinckley. <laughs> Hinkley is the guy who shot um Reagan? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was obsessed with uh <laughs> Jody Foster. Jody Foster. Uh okay, so it is all to Hinkley. So stupid. Uh so it has already been established that Elaine and the shrink are on a vacation in Paris together. So we cut to them making out in front of the Eiffel Tower. The shrink stops and says he's just thinking about a patient of his and wondering if he's taking his medication. And Elaine sort of encourages him to stay in the moment and they continue to make out. Now they had Julia Louis Dreyfus, who plays Elaine, separate from this storyline because she was pregnant. And they were trying to hide her pregnancy. Ah, okay. So that's why she's in a relationship with her own And therapist. Joe DiVola's therapist, Now yes. you know who that psychiatrist is, right? Yes. Who is it? He's, I don't know. He's in a bunch of stuff. That is Stephen McHattie uh-huh. from Pontypool. Oh, yeah, it is him. He, I was just like, oh, this guy's in a million things. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, he's great. So I'm basically, I'm just condensing only Joe DiVola stuff, obviously. Mm-hmm. This doesn't necessarily all happen in the sequence, if you haven't seen of it, course. but just these parts. Uh, so Jerry warns Kramer that he told Joe about the party, and Kramer's like, of course I didn't invite him. I don't want that nut in my home. Uh, we soon find out that Kramer, wearing a motorcycle helmet he swapped for a non-functional radar detector with Newman, was on the receiving end of a roundhouse kick to the head by Joe Davola, who said, that's what I think of your party. That's and right. And kicked him in the head. And dented the helmet. Yes. So he's very, very strong. He's physically Joe Davola, strong. Very capable. Yes. He also expressed to Kramer that Jerry is next. jerry says it's all elaine's fault because she went off to europe with his with his psychiatrist and he can't get his medication this leads to all sorts of problems for kramer who goes on to only shave one side of his face and only put on one pant leg this is due to brain damage from the kick from joe davola this is again insensitivity yes right because what's it called like tmi uh, TBI, TBI, traumatic brain injury. All these football players get it. Have you seen yeah. the slap leagues where people slap each other and it's a sport? No. Oh. That doesn't sound good. Oh, bad. And they're getting TBIs from the slaps? Let's just say Joe Davola, <laughs> I think, would excel. Would he? <laughs> yeah, he, he would, would find r- his niche. Rise to the top. His community. Yeah. Uh, Jerry and George C. Davola hang around outside Monk's Diner, this is their hangout, and ask a police officer to escort them out, but the officer wants to order and eat a muffin first, so they have to wait. That's great. <laughs> uh, Jerry and George notice him looking at the menu, which to them signifies a longer wait. Jerry confronts him, what happened to the muffin? And he and the cop get into a little tiff. 
Meanwhile, in front of some sort of famous international structure that I don't know about, Elaine and the doctor's makeout sesh is once again interrupted when he thinks about his patient. I'm fairly certain I forgot to leave him an extra prescription for his medication, he says, and remarks that he could be dangerous. Elaine's starting to get annoyed by all the interruptions. That um, uh, structure, you don't know what it is. That's yeah. the Eiffel Tower. Christine. No, <laughs> no. Know. It's something else. I know, I know. I don't but, know what it so is. So we can actually say that they're not necessarily being insensitive about Joe Davola's diagnosis, what it may be, uh -huh. or having mental illness in general. This is a negligent psychiatrist. Right. Who is not taking proper care of his patient. And true. if you are taking psychoactive meds, it is very important to stick to your schedule. Yeah. So really, Stephen McHattie is to blame. And he, if any trending bad guy. comes out of this episode, mm -hmm. I assume, justice yes. for Joe Davola. Right. It is to demonize the psychiatrist. Uh, played by Pontypool actor Stephen McHattie. That's true. Really, he's the big bad. He is the problem. He's the bad guy here. Okay, so two episodes later, we get more Joe DiVola, and this is the episode called The Watch. Elaine enlists Kramer's help in breaking up with her boyfriend, the the psychiatrist, because he always gets all turned. Oh, he always gets her all turned around when she tries. He's playing mind games he with her. He talks her into staying with him. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the doctor also manipulates Kramer, who he thinks is Elaine's new boyfriend, into meeting in person to discuss the situation. Elaine sends Kramer into the office while she waits outside the building when she runs into Joe Davola, who she's never met before. Joe's in a great mood today. He's walking down the street singing, traveling along, singing a song. And then Elaine joins in, joins in for side by side. <laughs> um, they have a charming, quippy interaction and exchange numbers. Joe enters as Kramer is exiting, but they don't see each other. Remember, they know each other. Yeah. We hear Joe inside telling the doctor that he's in love with a woman uh, he just met outside on the street named Elaine. And the doctor's like, Elaine? And then that's it for that episode. Okay. We're yeah. just, it's a long game here. Oh, yes. Uh, now he lies dormant for a few episodes. Yeah, Joe DeVola's a marathon, not a race. Absolutely. Which is weird, too, because this is like, for the most part, sitcom structure mm -hmm. is they're, they're very one and done. And, and yeah. they're meant to be built for syndication, which means they might air... Right. In, out of order in so the So you want every story to be contained so you can understand everything going on. And Seinfeld largely did keep to that sort of structure. There are a few arcs, but they're rare. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that Joe Davola pops up yeah. across multiple episodes but skips a few in between right it's pretty unusual he after this this next one is the big one this okay. is the opera after that uh -oh. it's like a dozen episodes or something until he comes back until again big finale yes <laughs> um also joe davola was based on larry david's friend joe davola well that's oh <laughs> well hopefully a name only i think so yes. okay um, okay, so he lies dormant until episode eight, the opera. This is the big one. And we had this taped on VHS. I guess yeah. I taped it or something. And I used to watch it all the time. And it scared me. But I was also was like, this part of your intrigued. you seem to be done with it. But was this part of your clown fear? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I think it's possible. You're scared but... of clowns. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so that was Kramer and Joe. Um, but yeah, I watched this episode a million times, and then I hadn't seen this episode in a long time. So when I watched it for the show, it was one of those things where I knew like every word. And I was yeah. like, whoa. Uh, I usually know, you know, most of Seinfeld, but this one was like word for word. Uh, so Jerry and George have steadily been working on their pilot at NBC when Jerry receives the following voicemail from Joe. Jerry, Joe Davola. I have a hair on my tongue. Can't get it off. You know how much I hate that? Of course you do. You put it there. I know I know what you said about me, Seinfeld. I know you badmouth me to the execs <laughs> I know you badmouth me to the execs at NBC. Put the kibosh on my deal. Now I'm gonna put the kibosh on you. You know I've kiboshed before. And I will. Kibosh again. <laughs> One of the all-time great it's cinema speeches absolutely what a monologue up there if i'm ever to audition oh, for yeah. something i'm going to use this monologue up there with you can't handle the truth oh yeah right uh-huh you want me on that wall you need me on that wall what's that that's that's what happens after you want the truth you can't handle the truth oh. <laughs> i guess maybe don't i don't remember i guess maybe nobody remembers that part <laughs> no maybe they do maybe they do Okay, 
So, so, so that happens. It's not addressed just yet, but don't worry, we'll get to it. Yeah. Kramer got tickets to the opera, Pagliacci, for the whole gang, including Elaine's new boyfriend, Joey, who we know is Joe Davola. Nobody else knows this yet. It's dramatic irony they're employing. Yes. Jerry is ribbing her a little bit about him, like, oh, is Joey a big lover of the opera? And Elaine says, yeah, it's nice to be someone who's interested in something other than Nick at night. <laughs> she says he's happy, well-adjusted. And then it smash cuts to Joe Davola lifting weights with on the ground with photographs of Elaine scattered all around him, loudly sobbing along to opera music. This was it. This was the moment for me when he is crying, yeah, listening to music and working out at the same time. It's like out of Red Dragon. <laughs> yeah, it's like out of Red Dragon. This is Francis Dollarhide. Yes. This was very disturbing and hard for me to process. And it's also super close up. And that's yeah. not something they do a lot of the time. Um, Larry Charles, who's one of the directors, right? No, no they, they was the same director. He's one of the writers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But noted for his dark sense of humor. Yeah, he's a weirdo. And so a lot of Larry Charles stuff will be the things that were like, why is this in Seinfeld? It's usually Larry Charles. Yeah, exactly. So I could even see him being like pulling really close on his face right. and, you know, whatever. Um, so Elaine, we go back to just Jerry's house. That's just like a quick cut where you're like, holy crap. Yeah. Um, Elaine says that she is going to go surprise Joey with a pop-in at his apartment. And after she leaves, Jerry decides to play his voicemails from when he was out. And he hears the voicemail from Joe. Uh, we hear him hear just the beginning of it. And then we smash cut again to Joe in his apartment, holding his hand over a candle flame and laughing maniacally. That's out there. It's really crazy. out there. It's really nuts. Um, then we go back to, to Jerry and he's fully freaking out about the proposed kibosh. So, but also that's a great like Larry David, Jerry Seinfeld word. Kibosh, You absolutely. know that I've kiboshed before. And I will kibosh again. Yeah, <laughs> like it's... Substitute, take kill out, put kibosh in, see how that plays. Right? It's incredible yeah. um so like i said we know the deal before anybody else in the show does we Whoa. see them keep missing each other elaine leaves right before jerry plays the voicemail where she would recognize his voice like they just keep very not Romeo knowing that Juliet. it's the same very very shakespearean yes this drama yes a tragedy um, the tension, we know. Oh, 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 yeah, it's rising. It's so fun. Uh, so Jerry calls Joe back to tell him that there's been a big mis misunderstanding and he gets his answering machine. Jerry's voice on the, on the machine ends just before Elaine gets to Joey's house. So close so to hearing close. him making the connection. So the door is open and she walks in calling his name, figuring he'll be right there and sees a collage of pictures of herself taken without her knowledge on his wall. Yikes, yikes. She walks up closer to get a better look when Joe comes out of his dark room and slams the door to the apartment. Uh, Elaine says, oh, you scared me. And then Joe says, good. Fear's our most primal emotion. <laughs> And she says, you left your door open. And he says, I like to, I actually didn't write it down. He says, like, I like to entice intruders or something like Oof. that. Like something intruders. The word might not be entice, but. Because he has an excuse now, right? Yeah. Like if, if somebody did break in, he could probably go ham on them. Right. He could <clears throat> completely go nuts Knowing because they're intruding in the right. into his home. Him even being in a dark room, by the way. Is yes. also Francis Dollarhide. Yes, <laughs> he develops yes. family videos. You're I've never made this right. connection before until right now. But like, there are two Francis Dollarhide. Oh my God, here. Will! If you switch around the letters <gasps> in Joe Davola, it spells I am, I am Francis Dollarhide. It's right in front of us the whole time. This is big. Talk deep. about trending on Twitter. Everybody's talking about Joe Davola. Yeah. Everybody's talking about Francis Dollarhide right. on the tip of everybody's tongues already. So if we combine these two things. Yes, I know. True power. We'll wield huge. true power. I We're know that we own Twitter. I know we just got Justice for Joe Davola trending, mm -hmm. but I think we have to also get cancel Joe Davola mm -hmm. in motion. 
Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Maybe it's time. It's time. Now we're seeing his true colors. We're seeing so what he's capable of. The tide turns. It's no excuse. No. Right? He's still no. responsible for his own actions. Of course he is. Of course. Uh, so Elena's trying to play it cool, but she asks what the deal is with the wall, and he says that his home is a shrine to her. She asks where he got the pictures, and he said that he took them himself with a telephoto lens of her coming out of her office, her apartment, shopping, showering. And then he asks if she would like to see the dark room, and she declines um, and says that she's a day person <laughs> and um, says he doesn't really seem like himself. He asks about the Pagliacci tickets that her friend got and says he's really looking forward to it. And Elaine says that, oh, he couldn't get them, lying because she's clearly got away, got to get away from this guy. And this seems to make him snap. All of a sudden, he says... Do you know the story of Pagliacci, Netta? He's a clown whose wife was unfaithful to him. Do you think I'm a clown, Netta? Calling her Netta. And he's just being super threatening, calling her Netta, asking her if she's betrayed him with another and wants his name. Elaine tries to leave and closes the door. And, oh no, so, and he closes the door as she opens it, uh, saying Pagliacci killed his wife. She stalls for time talking about Pagliacci and how that doesn't sound like a good thing. It seems like that guy's bad news while rooting around in her purse. And when he finally says to her, You're not leaving, she sprays him in the eyes with something and opens the door and runs away. This turns out to be Banaka, a popular breath spray of the time. Yes. Something to keep in mind. This is one of the darkest yes. things, if not the darkest thing, ever to be on Seinfeld. Oh, definitely. He actively is trying to kill her. Yeah, it's super, super uncomfortable. It, wildly uncomfortable. Yeah, it's crazy that it's on the show. Uh, now back at Jerry's, Jerry calls the police to report the threat and the police say they can't do anything. Kramer and George plan to scalp the tickets that Joey and George's girlfriend Susan will no longer be using. We cut to an extreme close-up of Davola, once again listening to the Pagliacci opera, painting his face white and smiling at himself on ominously. God. It is as though we are the mirror he's looking into. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Artful. Yes, absolutely. Elaine and Jerry now are waiting outside the opera, and Elaine's telling Jerry about the incident with the cherry banaka. And he says she's got to hear about this nut. I must say I'm not thrilled that Jerry moves right on to a cherry banaka joke why do they wait a, he starts being like why they wait a year to make the cherry they know we like the cherry give us the cherry instead of freaking out about the incident that elaine just experienced he really should be you're right he really should so he tells elaine about the message he got from the nut as he was calling him and afterward remarks just kind of to himself crazy joe davola and Elaine says, how do you know his name? I never told you his name. And they come to realize that they are talking about the same person and freak out. They realize that that Davola thinks that she was seeing someone else. And if he sees them together, they're both going to be in danger. Yeah. Now we see Joe dressed as Pagliacci the clown. So he's wearing an all white, like silky outfit with black buttons, his face totally painted white and a little teeny weeny pointed clown hat with black dots on it. Uh, walking through Central Park, being mocked by toughs. He kicks all their asses handily using karate and keeps it moving. It, this is like something straight out of Batman. <laughs> yeah. A gang confronts a lone like, traveler. like, hey, clown, what you doing, clown? And he just like sweeps the leg and takes them all out. It's, again, not to just be so one and be like, it's crazy for this show. There's never been an action so scene on Seinfeld. The point is to remind you. He's very physically threatening. And he will fight. You can oh, see yeah. him fight in this moment. Yes. Now another, genuinely another guy dresses Pagliacci outside the opera asks Elaine and Jerry for a donation to the opera and they're not able to give it to him for reasons I won't go into. It's obviously a comedic thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but this is important. There's another Pagliacci around. It's like when Ghostface goes to see a stab movie and he yeah. can hide in plain sight. Exactly. Joe Davola is Pagliacci going to where they are doing, putting on the, the play. Yep. And so he can... Blend in. This is perfect for Davola. It is. Meanwhile, Davola, emboldened by his disguise, goes up to Kramer, who's outside scalping tickets, and sparks up a conversation, asking him if he's scared of clowns. Kramer answers in the affirmative. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he does. We go back to Jerry and Elaine in line for the opera, and Joe, as the clown, comes up to them. Jerry, assuming it's the opera employee again, says he really doesn't have any money on him. 
Elaine says she smells cherry, and the clown says it's Banaka. At that moment, the employee clown starts lip, sy- starts lip syncing for his life along to a recording, leading Jerry and Elaine to put the dots together and haul ass away from Joe, who just stands there. When they're looking at the playbill now safely inside, Elaine puts the pieces together that Joe was calling her Netta because that's the role of Pagliacci's wife. I don't know why this is only now occurring to her. That I, they, seems quite clear. I, I wonder if the, it was like made clear that they need to say something to make it overtly obvious for the audience. I think so. Because, yeah, he's he's lost reality. Yeah. He's living as Pagliacci who killed his wife, and so he would have he killed calling, her in that moment. Yeah. But the idea that he is identified by the smell of cherry banaca yeah. because she sprayed it in his eyes as if it was pepper spray uh-huh. is scary. Yes. It, it, it is truly scary. And like they, they have to detect him in that moment. That's and then the only way because he's disguised beyond that. Realize that the employee is singing over there. So mm-hmm. it's it's not the employee. Yeah. We're not safe right now. Even though right. you'd think you would be outside in public surrounded by people. Mm-hmm. It is it is really wild. No, it's it's very scary. Um, as the curtain rises, Jerry asks who Kramer sold his ticket to, and he says, some nut in a clown costume. Elaine and Jerry's mouths hang open as we cut. Yeah. And then might, we don't know what happened. He might be in here now. Right, yeah. exactly. And it's just never addressed what happened. Now, Joe comes back one more time for the finale of this season. Well, which- did we? Oh, I guess that scene with Kramer, you, you truncated it too. He answers in the affirmative. Yeah. I, I guess I was expecting. I, I guess I thought that it kept coming later because he really corners Kramer. Yeah, he does. <clears throat> All yeah. right. I, I was picturing you you said it, but I was picturing the whole like he's like mean mugging Kramer. Yeah, he, he like comes up really close to him and says weird stuff and asks if he's afraid of clowns. Being a bit of a close talker. Oh, a major close talker. And Kramer, who is wacky and zany, is yeah. almost speechless. Uh-huh. Which is strange <laughs> yeah. to see. Yeah, I mean he's he's just quieter than usual. He's like, oh, I oh he says they. My he parents used to take me to the circus. circus. I was always uh, so he's uh, scared, scared of the clowns. clowns. Yeah. Are you still scared of clowns? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like very frightening. It really is, but also funny because Kramer is funny. Yes. Okay, so now that was episode eight, the opera. We don't see Joe Davola again all the way until episode twenty-two. The finale of the season called The Pilot. This is where the pilot that Jerry and George was pitching to NBC is now being filmed. Um, He appears very briefly. Jerry and George are in a cab when Joe comes to clean the windshield with a newspaper. And Jerry and George duck, but he sees them and wishes him luck on the or wishes them luck on the pilot, but all scary. So his face is like right in their window. He is then at the pilot taping where he jumps from the audience uh, like into the set where Jerry is acting, screaming, Six Semper Tyrannus. He is intercepted by security guards on the way to attack Jerry. Jerry later says that what he yelled translates to death to tyrants and that it's what John Wilkes Booth yelled before assassinating Lincoln. (laughs) We never see him again and we can maybe just assume that he's been incarcerated in some way. Like many serial killers, he's either dead or in jail. Right. <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, six temper tyrannous. <laughs> and he leaps from the audience. And they do a weird freeze frame on that moment. Yeah. It's him in the air and the audience screaming and then they go to commercial. Which implies that something bad happens following yeah. this moment. Better stick around. But then it, they, they just come back. And it's, yeah, they just captured. They finally captured... Uh, crazy right. Joe Davola. Right. But in this moment, Jerry Seinfeld is Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> He's the president <laughs> yep. who's being assassinated by John Wilkes Booth. It's so ridiculous. So there's no it is at the theater. Uh, it's it's so crazy that for for all of the fear mongering about Joe Davola, uh-huh. that there is no real clear conclusion. No. He doesn't even come back in the much aligned finale. No. Where they bring back every conceivable character. I mean, I maybe he's he's indisposed. Dead he or can't in jail. make it into court. Yeah. Dead well, no, jail. I guess they would take you out of jail to do court. But then dead. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. In the finale, aren't they just like? Don't they put out like an open call to like anybody who hates them? So maybe they just That's he just true. didn't come. He just didn't come. Yeah. <laughs> I. Uh, 
Yeah, and the Pagliacci thing. They they just go like, I sold my ticket to some guy dressed as a clown. And, and, that's, they, and that's the end of the episode. Yeah. That is really wild. They yes. really keep that. It's like the end of Halloween where it's like, you know, they show all the empty rooms with the sound of breathing. Like, he might be in your home. Exactly. He could be anywhere. Well, he looks right at us several times during the episode. Do you think that he knows he's on a show? Do you think that he can break the fourth wall? Oh, my wall? God. <laughs> I, it has to be reach through yeah. this is undeniably he to say he is the big bad of Seinfeld is the most accurate statement imaginable. it's incredible it's it's this is really wild it's very bizarre and it's very fun because the episodes are still super funny yeah. but then there's this fun frisson of like a scary thing of a deadly frightening man out there yep. waiting to harm menace dent in a helmet yeah. Uh, take out some goons, which also, like Batman, is a vigilante move. It's true. <laughs> they weren't being nice, to be fair. Right. If that was another true. nice clown, then those guys are really the bad guys. That's right. They're just taunting them. Yes. But on this day, they picked they, they picked a fight with the wrong clown. That's right. Um, well, Joe Devola, for all of his uh, menace, though, Kristen, yeah. does not seem to have a body count. No, I have I research. Not that we know of. I have research about other madmen from uh -huh. the world of Seinfeld. I was hoping that you were going to talk about this. That have killed. Yep. And seemingly go on to, to kill during our episodes. Yeah, they've kiboshed again. Oh. But we will talk about them in just a moment because we need to make sure that you know about patreon.com slash pod, which is the best way to support the show. It really like creates a nice reciprocal relationship between us and really helps us do neat things. We have a bunch of different tiers over there so you can pick whatever your interest level and finances dictate. Mm -hmm. And then we have a bunch of awesome bonuses that you can get back in return, including getting up to an extra episode every single week because we have a second weekly podcast called The Netherworld Dispatch available only on Patreon patreon.com slash gttu pod now most of the world doesn't know about this we keep it very hush hush oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you can double up guide to the unknown by mm -hmm. hopping over to that patreon yeah. our most recent episode was episode 93 yeah. of the netherworld dispatch which is crazy i know but it is a conversation and indeed a full review and thoughts on a recent horror movie called Sick, mm -hmm. written by Kevin Williamson, most famously of Scream. Yeah. Uh, so that's out right this second on top of 92 plus other things, video game stuff, movie reviews, watching clips. It is super fun. It's yeah. it's all about the love of horror. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I think you'll really enjoy yourself. Yeah. And we would greatly appreciate the support. Patreon.com slash GTTU pod. Mm -hmm. uh, follow at GTTU pod on all social media. We've been putting out fun shorts on our Instagram reels and on TikTok and Sometimes YouTube Sometimes I wear shorts. fun shorts. Uh, you can't see it right now, but I'm wearing the funnest shorts. Yeah. If only you could see. <laughs> But so uh, uh, check those places out as well because it's a lot of fun and, and Guide to the Unknown is a little horror party that we keep having. Mm -hmm. um, all right. So let's talk about um, – oh, and follow at The Myth Traveler. I put out yeah. little scary stories there from time to time. Yeah. All right. Uh, I uh, have uh, crazy things to talk to you about. <laughs> let's talk about – Such wonders. I think let's start with this guy because this is the first one that sprang to mind. Do you know what this image uh, depicts? I just put it on a screen in our video version. I don't. This is a serial killer – Known as the Lopper. Well, yeah, I didn't know. Uh, yeah. Although he does go by other names. <clears throat> like what? Well, um, <laughs> I don't remember. So it, it, it's from the episode The Frogger, mm -hmm. which is a very famous episode. Yeah. Season nine, episode 18. Kramer gets a hold of caution tape. He's having a lot of fun taping stuff off <laughs> because uh, he's friends with a police officer. And they weren't paying attention, so he was able to sneakily grab the caution tape. Yeah. He says they were preoccupied trying to hunt down this new psycho serial killer, the Lopper. Mm -hmm. It's no big deal. Just some guy who's been running around Riverside Park, you know, cutting people's heads off. Yeah. Jerry asks, how come I haven't read about this? And he explains, the police have been having some internal dissension about the name for the lopper you've got to have a good name for yeah. your serial killer right? the zodiac you think about these big names catchy so elaine asks what are the other names and here are the names that that <laughs> that the police are internally debating about giving to the lopper who cuts people's heads off yeah headzo <laughs> uh the denogonizer oh my god or son of dad <laughs> son of dad 
which was Kramer's <laughs> suggestion. Sort of a catch-all. Right. I like it. <laughs> Son, of Son of dad. Dad. Uh, he later will come. And I, like you, I'm, I'm only going to the specific elements for these yeah. monsters, right? So he later comes back into Jerry's apartment and explains that while he was down at the police station, he saw a crime scene photo of the latest victim. Oh. There's been another since the episode began. <clears throat> And the victim looked a lot like Jerry. <laughs> also means Kramer saw a picture of a dead body. Yes. That, see, a beheaded, yeah. You're hanging up on exactly the same thing that I got hung up on a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Kramer, slightly earlier, looked at a severed head. Right. He was exposed to this. Or maybe he just saw a photo of the victim. Maybe it was like a high school photo of the victim. I don't know. Oh, maybe. Yeah. But, but that is definitely where my mind went. Right. Um, How and- do you just go on with your day? <sighs> I mean, oh, I guess do you really do. want to get into this? I don't know. Have you never seen horrific crime scene photos and stuff? Um, I guess I have. I've seen some awful things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you supposed to do? I haven't seen, yeah, I haven't seen a lot, but. You move forward because you must. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, so uh, Jerry, obviously trying to rebut the notion that because the victim looked like me, it's not like the denogonizer, the lopper here is going after just people who look like me. Right. He says to Kramer, there are a lot of people who look like me. Kramer rebuts, not as many as there used to be. (laughs) Which is a great point. Yeah, it is. So now bear with me because this is very important. Okay. Jerry's plight in Mm -hmm. this episode. He is sort of seeing somebody, but she gets on his nerves. Okay. She's a sentence finisher. Okay. He has a thought. She finishes it. And it's a little bit irritating. Mm-hmm. Now, he doesn't want to be with her very yeah. much, uh, but he's walking her home from a date one night, wants to break up with her. But then she goes, well, we're almost at my apartment. It's right over here. It's right, it's by Riverside Park, <laughs> which is the Lopper's hunting grounds. <laughs> right. And so Jerry, scared, realizing that he can't be risked, he can't risk being seen no. near Riverside Park, offers for her to come back to his place. <laughs> Where they sleep together, yeah. thereby making the relationship solidify, yeah, cementing which is it. also not what he wants. He wants to dump her, but Elaine points out that because they've had sex, they're beyond the phone breakup mm-hmm. um, range. Yeah. So he decides, all right, I'll go over there during the day. <laughs> he has a whole plan and make a clean break. When he goes, he brings a baseball bat just in case. He says he found it on the way. Uh-huh. It's got to be worth something. Sure. <laughs> the breakup, however, this montage of them breaking up, and it's it's there's some heavy stuff in here. Yeah. Um, she, uh, she says, uh, you know, my last boyfriend did this. And Jerry says, well, I'm sorry I'm not Brad. I'm me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Slams the door. She goes, boy, your mother did a number on you. Long <laughs> montage. A it, it's horrible luck. The breakup takes 10 hours. <laughs> By the time it's over, it's n- n- night has night, fallen. Night has fallen. And Jerry steps outside and sees a shadowy figure in Lopper walking, territory walking toward him through a fog. Now, this figure, it's a man, let's say, is approximately six feet tall. In one hand, he appears to be carrying some sort of a thin object. Could yeah. be a knife. This could be a weapon of some Absolutely. sort. Absolutely. In the other hand, a parcel. He's right. holding the strings of some sort of a parcel that appears to contain... A head. Something cylindrical could be a head. And Jerry uh, is terrified um, because is it the lopper lumbering through the streets with a freshly severed head? Mm-hmm. Will he spot Jerry and take the opportunity to denogonize him. Jerry scrambles frantically, pressing the buzzer for his ex-girlfriend's apartment and screams apologies, begging for her to let him in. He takes credit for the collapse of their relationship. Might Hedzo be catching up? Finally, the door unlocks and Jerry escapes inside as soon as the son of dad walks by none the wiser. Close call. Not as close as you'd think, though, because it turns out this is not the lopper. Oh! This is is Stinky Pete. (laughs) Who is currently uh, working with Kramer and George because uh, George needs help moving a Frogger machine. And he's afraid if he unplugs it, it'll lose the high scores of which he is number one. Right. And Stinky Pete might be able to steal a battery, which is what this is, not a head. So it was actually Stinky Pete. And then what's in his other hand? That... Unclear. When we okay. see him walking by clearly, he's actually hugging this battery. Because hmm. maybe he's scared as well. Yeah. <laughs> I think he may be. <laughs> 
Anyway, so Jerry begged to be, be let back in the apartment, and he starts Wait, a relationship. Quick, wasn't there a show called Stinky Pete on like Amazon Prime with Giovanni Ravisi? I think you're right. Yes. Wait, it's probably Sneaky Pete. I think it's probably Sneaky Pete, but you're very close. On yeah. That okay. Weird other name thing. Kramer says, I've got a guy who might be able to help you, George. His name's Stinky Pete, but we fight all the time. And he goes, Stinky Pete? He goes, yeah, I don't like the name either. In fact, that's one of the things we argue about. So he calls himself that. He calls himself that, and Kramer yeah. doesn't like it, and he argues with this guy about this guy's nickname. But that is oddly similar to the police arguing with each other over that's what to call true. the serial killer. It's very strange. A lot of name stuff going on in this episode. A lot of name stuff. Anyway, we don't get a great confirmation of who the lopper is. Mm. Uh, we don't know if he continues, again, dead or in jail. Who, so he could still be at large. He might still be out there. But to close at least one uh, loop here, uh, because Jerry begged to be let back inside, he does start a relationship with her. <laughs> and unfortunately, he's going away for a long Long weekend with her in Pennsylvania Dutch country. Well, you know, sometimes these things happen. <laughs> that's the sad ending of the episode for Jerry. At least they make good pretzels. So that's the lopper. Is yeah. it a serial killer who's uh, exclusively hunting people who looks like Jerry? Evidently. Or, seems like it. Evidently. Jerry's going to have to, like, color his hair like when Son of Sam was going after <laughs> blondes or whatever. Is that a thing? Yeah. Son of Sam was always attacking women who had, I think think it was that they had long dark hair oh okay um so there were a lot of women who colored their hair blonde or vice versa oh okay. yeah uh well let's move on to our next uh madman mm -hmm. our, our next our next frightening freak of seinfeld okay um and this is a smallie yeah. uh this you you referenced this episode before he comes from the episode the chicken roaster mm -hmm. season eight episode eight <laughs> kenny rogers roasters opens up across the street from kramer's apartment their large neon chicken sign fires an offensive red light into his room that starts to drive him mad however uh. jerry recently ran into a friend for lunch that friend got fired from his job because he skipped his meeting to go to lunch with jerry ends up getting a job at um, uh, Kenny Rogers, Kenny Rogers roasters. roasters and Jerry doesn't want him to lose that job yeah. so he agrees to switch apartments with Kramer mm -hmm. he'll take the heat of the red son of the chicken yeah because Kramer wanted to get Kenny Rogers roasters shut down Yes, so that would make the guy lose his job bad chicken yeah. mess you up <laughs> he wants them out but so now Kramer's living in Jerry's apartment Jerry's living in Kramer's apartment classic sitcom stuff they yep. start adopting each other's traits um, but Jerry, uh, has one, uh, issue. He has one thing to take issue with living in Kramer's apartment. In order to live there, he asks if he can remove a few things that he finds offensive, <laughs> including a blonde haired ventriloquist dummy. Kramer respond, or he, he, he adds, I feel like it's going to come to life in the middle of the night and kill me. Kramer's surprised. What? Mr. Marbles? He's harmless. Mr. Marbles is who we're talking about, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, God. That night, Jerry lies nervously in Kramer's bed, the red light still blaring into the darkened room. A mysterious sound frightens him. He thinks to himself, we hear his thoughts, what is that creaking? It's like I'm in the hold of a ship. He attempts to put the sound out of his mind and sleep until a door slams nearby. Jerry breaks the silence to call out, hello? No response. But then comes a skittering sound like little wooden shoes scampering across the floor. Jerry's eyes widen. Mr. Marbles? He looks around. Did the ventriloquist dummy come to life, evoking memories of Chucky the Killer Doll, Dead Silence, Charlie McCarthy, and Dario Argento's Deep Red? Well, we hear the shoes skittering. Perhaps. You know, that's not... And the door slammed. The, yeah, the I, I don't audience think there's room for debate. things. Mr. Marbles came to life. Mr. Marbles lives. Yeah. Hashtag Mr. Marbles lives. Yes. We're going to have so many hashtags. We're going to be famous at the end of this. Definitely. Mr. Marbles' uh, work appears to be far from over, though. <laughs> during the credits... That's just the gag for the moment. But during the yeah. credits, there are just a few little interstitial gags. Uh, Jerry is back home. There's a whole adventure that gets them back. Uh, Jerry is alarmed in the middle of the night by the sound of Mr. Marble running, Mr. Marble's running in his room, but this time it's different. We see the silhouetted frame of the doll on the wall <laughs> run by carrying what appears to be a knife. <laughs> and that's it for Mr. Marble's in the chicken roaster episode. But I do have a bit of trivia. There is It does a, imply. It implies a, a soul. whole second world going on with Seinfeld. It does. You know? uh, I, I could see... It really opens the door for a, a Scooby-Doo-esque yeah. uh, cartoon uh, special right. where they're trying to figure out what's going on with Mr. Marbles or just survive him. <laughs> 
There was a later episode titled The Andrea Doria. Uh, this moment did not make it to air, but evidently it was filmed. At some point, Kramer is seen putting Mr. Marbles into storage. Oh. And Jerry suggests it's because Kramer is terrified of the doll. <laughs> so stupid. So stupid. But another odd <laughs> crossover so between episodes. Yeah. All right. So that's Mr. Marbles, the, uh-huh. the killer doll of Seinfeld. A legend. And here's here's the last thing that I think that we're going to talk about in this episode. But it's excellent. It's it's notable. Yeah. No, this is another weird one. It's it's not as long as Joe Devola, but it's strange and out of place in the same sort of way. Far more unpleasant, I would say. I would too. Um, the the smog strangler, mm-hmm. another serial killer. Yeah. In Seinfeld, uh, this uh, killer is part of the episodes "The Trip Part One" and "The Trip Part 2 They're episodes one and two of season four. They're some of my least favorite episodes. Me too. I was about to say the exact same thing. I don't like these episodes. Elaine is not in these episodes. And yeah. I, I think some of the flavor dynamic is off here. It's weird. Part one, Kramer, because of a dispute with Jerry over the keys to their apartments, Mm -hmm. Kramer has moved to Los Angeles to try and become a writer. Yeah, I also just don't like the idea of this. I don't like that Kramer is ending his friendship with Jerry ostensibly. It all feels not good. It's not good. Kramer is not a writer. This is not something that comes back for him. Yeah. Uh, Later when Jerry and George have a show, it's never said like Kramer wants to write. It just does. It's not part of his character. I think they just leave it. I think it's all weird and they knew it. It almost feels like this is like, remember when Dwight Schrute, they tried out his spinoff and they just released it as an episode of The Office. No. Yeah. There's like a whole episode of The Office where it's Dwight running his beet farm and you meet his family and it was a pilot. It was a backdoor pilot for a Schrute spinoff. Oh, I can picture the episode, but I don't. I didn't remember that it was a backdoor pilot. That's how this plays a little bit. I don't think it's the case. Yeah. But but like Kramer meets a bunch of characters out. No, it in feels LA. different. It's very weird. It's like shot on film. It's not in front of a live audience. Everything is right. Wrong. Right. Everything right. Is that is wrong. part of why it's so strange. So Kramer has moved to Los Angeles, but he has to. He's you know struggling to make it. He has to make <laughs> his name. Uh, he lives in a small apartment, uh, and he lives directly next door to Helene or Helena, I think, who was once. <laughs> She, her claim to fame is that she was in a Three Stooges short 58 years ago. She's like a Baby Jane type. Very much a Baby Jane. She was in the short Sappy Pappies, where the Stooges tried to catch the kidnapper of a baby, but they're too late. The baby's dead. Helena, this is a line from her. It was sad for a Three Stooges, what with the dead baby and, and the Stooges being executed and all. <laughs> and Kramer responds... Well, that was an unusual choice for the Stooges. <laughs> and this is an unusual t- choice for Seinfeld. Very much. We get obtrusive, intrusive interstitials of two cops who are clearly mm-hmm. supposed to be like tough guy, classic TV detective cops with like dead bodies under tarps yeah. on the ground. They're, they're standing next to the corpse of a woman. And when cop one says, no witnesses, cop two responds, just the trees, Johnny. Just the trees. Mm-hmm. Uncomfortable audience laughter because we're making fun of Dragnet. I don't I know. Yes. Now back to Kramer's story. He's auditioning for a number of things to try to make his name, including uh, a juice infomercial, a music video, and a horror movie. Oh, yeah. Kramer auditions for a horror movie in this episode mm-hmm. where he locks eyes with a fellow auditioner, a blonde-haired woman who the internet tells me is named Chelsea. Okay. He... he tells her you scream good uh-huh. and then we cut away she takes his treatment uh they have lunch together and stuff uh like his so script treatment his script movie. treatment yeah. yeah and like a headshot of him and mm-hmm. stuff like that she is later found dead yeah in this episode the woman that kramer goes to lunch with is found dead who he said screams good who, who he said screams good is we see her corpse on seinfeld yeah Uh, she's a victim of the smog strangler, but because she had his script, he is now implicated as a suspect and of being the smog strangler himself. Um, the cops interview several people who have interacted with Kramer. Um, one guy, uh, remembers, uh, an interaction he had with Kramer. He said, Hey Kramer, dude, have you ever killed a man before? And then Kramer said, what do you think, Junior? These hands have been soaking in ivory liquid. <laughs> that I like. I believe that's something that Kramer actually said in a previous episode, yeah, I think. I think you're right. But he was in t- he needed to 
He was trying to make it seem like he's tougher than he is. Yeah. But now it's being recontextualized to the cops as Kramer admitting to having murdered somebody before. Yeah. And then Helena is brought in <laughs> where she really takes it as her time to shine and perform. And she goes, he was a very handsome man, passionate, intense, but troubled. Strange. She really like pontificates. Yeah. Uh, now backstage at the Tonight she Show. She implies that he was her lover, right? I think she... <laughs> or that he was in love with her or something? I, I do think so. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, Jerry and George have moved out to LA. They're hoping to maybe catch up with Kramer, but Jerry's just there to, to do the Tonight Show. Mm -hmm. Backstage at the end of part one, they see a report from Keith Morrison on TV announcing that police are seeking a suspect in the smog stranglings known only as Kramer. <laughs> and they put up his headshot. And then Jerry and George look at each other freeze story to be continued in part two yeah which is a shock it's so weird kramer might be a serial killer right and see and part two opens with previously on seinfeld mm -hmm. like you're watching lost or something yeah yeah <laughs> it's crazy but it opens with a classic seinfeld but these episodes almost always open with jerry seinfeld doing a stand-up act yep. that loosely associates with the plot of the episode he does a great bit about the chalk outline guy. Uh -huh. He goes like, this is the lowest job. It takes no skill. The crooks are long gone. What is that supposed to prove anyway? Oh, his arm was like that when he hit the pavement. That means the killer must have been Jim. <laughs> it's good. It's a good bit. It's good. So Jerry and George are freaking out when we pick the story back up proper. Yeah. He's on the lam. He's on the loose. They briefly consider that he might actually be the smog strangler, but always right. joke it away with, Nah, but could he be? Yeah. Nah. But it is sort of like... He's a kooky, he's, mysterious guy. We don't understand how he has money. Like, yes. who knows what this guy's deal is? Yes. Yeah. George is struggling. George is getting upset because he... George is getting upset. He is uh, hungry, uh, but they his the time delay is messing with him. He doesn't want to eat eggs. He wants lunch. Mm-hmm. He said, and Kramer, Jerry goes, how can you think about food at a time like this? He says, my stomach doesn't know that Kramer's wanted. <laughs> so they're still having their yeah. minutia repartee. Yeah. Jerry calls the police to try to say that Kramer's got to be innocent, right? And here's the call. Hi, 911, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. My friend is accused of being the smog strangler, and I know he didn't do it. What is my name? Who am I? I'm, uh... <laughs> George Costanza. <laughs> and George goes, what are you, why are you, why are you giving them my name? What do you, and Jerry goes, oh, come on, what are you scared of? And George's line is fantastic. I'm scared of the same thing you are, everything. Which I think is yeah, ap applicable to everything. I'm, I'm afraid of the same thing you are. Yeah. Everything. So they say they're going to send a black and white to pick up Jerry and George. They get in. They're goofing around in the backseat. George says to Jerry, hey, would you roll your window down, please? And Jerry goes to roll it down, but he can't. It's a cop car. <laughs> and they start nudging each other. And Jerry says to the cops, hey, officers, he's fooling around back here. <laughs> Which is great. They start talking about the shotgun that they've got. Oh, God. So it's all fun and games a little bit, right? But then the cops with Jerry and George in the back of the car say, Oh, hold on a second. We got a 519 in progress. They start radioing back to the station. We got a 519 in progress. And we see character actor Ron Howard's brother, yeah. Clint Howard, breaking into a car. Mm -hmm. And the cops pull over and arrest him, slamming him onto the hood of the car. Clint Howard spits on the car. Like, it's like a pretty, it's a pretty unpolished moment. Yeah. And you see Jerry and George kind of be like, oh, God, like it's pretty gnarly. And they throw Clint Howard looking disheveled, looking crazy in the backseat with them. And I get like, it's funny to be like, I'm being escorted by the police and they throw a crook in with me. Right. That is a funny situation. But there's like a gnarliness. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah. They're very vulnerable back there. Exactly. And so uh, Clint Howard asks what they're in for and they go, oh, we're friends with a serial killer just trying to help him out. <laughs> And Clint Howard says, really? Oh, that's very nice. So it's not without its positives. Yeah. Uh, now, there's another interruption with the cops. They then re reveal that they've, uh, get, they get a call over their walkie-talkies that their other officers elsewhere are about to apprehend the smog strangler. Mm. And so they throw on the siren and book it there with Clint Howard in the back, with Jerry and George in the back. They're going to arrest Kramer. When they get there, 
Jerry manages to let themselves out of the back seat. Mm-hmm. I think that this is straight up a blooper. Yeah. The window is half rolled down. Uh-huh. So he just reaches his arm out and opens the door from the outside the way that Sydney wished that she could. Of course. Um, George gets out right behind him, but leaves the door open, enabling, <laughs> you know, the, the car, the, the, the Grand Theft Auto suspect, Clint Howard, to yeah. escape as well. So George is responsible for letting a criminal back out on the street. Right. And so Jerry and George are there when Kramer is arrested for being the smog strangler. Mm-hmm. They're there in the background with all the cops smiling and waving. Yeah. <laughs> they talk to Kramer... When he is in police custody over a little phone with bulletproof glass in between them. And Kramer is almost in shock. He's like in a haze where he's just talking about how things have been going pretty well for him. He's been getting his name out there. Right. And then there's a joke where they finish the call. He hangs up the phone and and Kramer goes to walk back to go into the prison. Mm -hmm. And he says to the guard, oh, can I just say one more thing to them? Turns around and frantically throws himself at the glass, screaming, you got to get me out of here. I'm innocent. And it's like, it's funny question mark but, but it's like, like it's yikes. uncomfortable i don't yeah. i don't like it yeah i never liked the tone of these episodes they always were uncomfortable and now whenever they came on on tv i was like oh man this one i would still watch it but yes yeah and we're talking about kramer not michael richards when mm-hmm. i say this it's hard to see kramer yeah be scared I, 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 I like don't like it it seems like an emotion that shouldn't compute for him it's like that episode where he has like he's upset about his mother yeah, and right. that's uncomfortable. Just doesn't make sense no. uh, for this character. Kramer, along these exact same lines, is being bad copped in an interrogation room mm-hmm. where they talk about like, why do I? Why'd you do it? Oh, I don't know. Maybe you did it for this reason. Maybe you did it for that reason. Maybe there was a guy in the park one day when you were a little boy, and he said he had a present in his pants. Oh my god! And it's like, what? Why is this on the show? Oh yeah, yeah. And Kramer is reduced to like a blubbering right, mass, right? Crying. Well, it's supposed to be like funny him. the way he's crying, but it's just it's like, to, oh, it's awful. It is. It is. Yeah. So unpleasant to watch. Poisonously unfunny. Yeah. But on top of it being bad jokes, right? Mishandled weirdly. It's like I just don't want to see this at all. Mm-mm. The the impulse is bad, and the execution makes it worse. Yeah. Uh, but a phone call interrupts the interrogation, and they say, "All right." Let him go. Mm-hmm. And Kramer immediately stops crying. There's been another killing while he's been in custody. Yep. It's been proven he's not the smog strangler. But on the way out of the room, Kramer doubles back to the company and goes, how'd you know about that guy in the park? Big I laugh. Know. Big laugh. I know. Horrifically uncomfortable. No, Horrifically uncomfortable and awful. Huge thumbs down. Jerry and George are pacing around outside the police station and... Kramer comes out and they all start like jumping up and down dancing because he's been free. free. He's not the killer. He's free because the kill the murderer struck again. They're dancing and then crying family members walk by and they sort of uncomfortably oh <laughs> button it up and walk on. Um, and but that's that's I don't know. The plot itself is kind of interesting. Of like Kramer's arrested, but the murderer strikes while he's in custody, so right. he's let go. Is like. That's that is like out of a cop show, yes, or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. And then it all wraps up with they're they're sitting with Kramer as he pontificates in the park. You see the Hollywood sign behind them, and he's talking about how maybe I will stay in L.A. I don't think I am going to come home, you guys. Mm-hmm. And they say like a, a tender goodbye to each other, which also feels wrong. No, they like hug each other. I mentioned at the top of this, there was like a no hugging, no learning right. rule on Seinfeld. It's broken at the beginning of season four a couple times. Right. And it sucks. Yeah. Maybe it's why they created the rule. Maybe. But um, Kramer goes, no, I think I'm going to stay. I mean, hey, you know, I I met a girl. And Jerry goes, <laughs> Kramer, she was murdered. <laughs> yeah, well, I wasn't looking for a long-term relationship. Kramer. I was on TV as a suspect in a serial killing. You guys got to put a negative spin on everything. This guy's always sunny side up. He is. Back home in New York, leaving Kramer behind, they say they hug him. Yeah. And say goodbye to Kramer on this episode. Weird. They see a report on TV. The smog strangler (laughs) has been caught. It's Clint Howard. Of course. The very same man that George enabled to escape from the back of that police car. Yeah. George has blood on his hands. Tobias Lehigh Nagy. The Smog Strangler. Boy. 
It's crazy. Very strange. It is a crazy tangled web yeah. that they wove. Yeah, not those aren't like classic Seinfeld episodes that you think about. No, these are bizarre, outsider, yeah, uh, 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 creepy, uncomfortable, and bad yes. and unfunny yes. moments. But nonetheless, we see corpses on right. these episodes of Seinfeld, and a serial killer is enabled to continue killing yeah. because of George's inept <laughs> rush to leave the, the 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 black and white police car door open. Right. We're a long way from Lloyd Braun. And Tobias Lehigh Nagy is out there. That's quite a name, by the way. Oh, I love it. I love it. It's <laughs> such a good serial killer name, so I made sure to copy it down. I think it's I don't love it. I, I don't know about Tobias the name itself. Lehigh Nagy. Just the attention to detail of doing the three names. Yeah, right? like, certainly. You nobody would skip that up nowadays, yeah. but back in '94 or whatever for Seinfeld to to make sure they hit the three names thing, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. a good uh, detail. I thought. No, it definitely is. Uh, well, I mean, there you have it, everybody. Yeah, I I, I will leave, leave people with two reference points if you want to continue your horrific Seinfeld stuff. And again, okay. I, everything else that I researched, and there's it's numerous, but each yeah. one is mini. Yeah. Um, but I have two places that I think you should all turn to to look to continue the adventure on your own time. <laughs> one is uh, an Instagram account, at Sign Peaks. Oh, it's delightful. S-E-I-N-P-E-A-K-S. Uh, whoever is running that page is mashing up Seinfeld with Twin Peaks. Yeah, it's amazing. To fantastic effect. Mm -hmm. uh, the one-armed man from Twin Peaks saying, I think you call it jerk store. <laughs> we lived above it. Right. Like, like all the surreality of David Lynch, plus all the stupidity and absurdity and cartoonishness of Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. And Jerry Seinfeld and David Lynch are both uh, TM mm -hmm. advocates. Yep. Um, and the other thing is I found out about a video game called Sinfeld Remastered, okay. S-I-N-Feld Remastered. Uh, evidently, it started as like a joke. Mm -hmm. in a, there's like a video game called Dreams where you can build little game experiences and people can play them. Mm -hmm. Somebody built like a, 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 a little adventure game thing, like PT. Yeah. Where you're first person exploring Jerry's apartment and it's horror. Oh, cool. Horror Jerry's apartment. And it did. it was so popular that they are expanding it into its own standalone game. Uh, it's That's it's cool. put together by a company called Rare Bird Games, and I was going to play it for this show. Mm -hmm. I downloaded it onto my Steam Deck, fired it up, and it crashed the entire thing. Oh, boy. My system was unresponsive, and it wouldn't work, and I was worried that I had bricked it. Oh, no. Just by downloading Sinfeld Remastered. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it's just not compatible in a big, bad way. Oh, don't man. play it on your Steam Deck. But I have a lot of curiosity about it. Yeah, that's um, cool. It's a Seinfeld horror game with a bunch of other, like, crazy gonzo other reference points and stuff. Yeah. But they've described, it's self-described as being a combination of Silent Hills, P-Team, one of my favorite things of all time, Resident Evil, and it's a parody of, of sitcom stuff and yeah. a million other horror points. Awesome. Sinfeld Remastered. That sounds sweet. At Sign Peaks. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go, everybody. Woo! Well, we hope you enjoyed that episode. I hope that uh, this inspires you to fire up Netflix and watch a little Seinfeld, perhaps. Man, is it funny. Yeah, it's <clears throat> like the funniest thing in the world. It is so stupid. It is so <laughs> funny. Uh, George uh, pulling a, a golf ball out of a whale's blowhole. Mm -hmm. Just the, the amount of uh, 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 George's dad sent um, uh, five of his own guys to the latrines. Yeah. One night because he was an army cook and, and he, he, he used spoiled meat. Right. It is very funny. It's it's ridiculous. But it's these are some of show. the darkest elements for sure. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to see a lot of this <laughs> throughout it, but these no. are some weirdo highlights. Absolutely. So thank you so much for listening. Um, as we said before, you can go to patreon.com slash gttupod if you would like more of the show and to help support us. And definitely go to themythtraveler.com as well to read and listen to a bunch of really awesome, scary stories by Will. Thank you, Chrissy. You're welcome. Uh, also follow us on social media at gttu pod stay up to date you'll be notified when we go live mm -hmm. you'll get uh some of the shorts that we've been posting on tiktok and youtube and instagram reels that are very very fun it's stuff that you've not heard on the show um and and yeah poke yeah. around follow us yep i'm at chillin Kristen. i'm at the myth traveler thank you so much everybody for hanging yes. out we hope that you had a good uh, uh amount of scary fun with us mm -hmm. we will see you next time but until that time comes we must travel 
back to the netherworld go we. Kachunka. Dunna. A dunna. Channel. Channel. Kachunnel. <laughs>